Welcome to Biblical Tapestry, podcast episode 8, 1 John 3, Be Righteous. Biblical Tapestry is a podcast where we explore how the Bible is its own commentary and how the gospel is thoroughly woven from Genesis to Revelation. In this episode 8, John reminds his readers that there is a real peril because there are people that want to lead them off course and that they should practice righteousness and follow their spiritual father. Now, if you would please turn to 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin, because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin, because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. All right, back to verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. In verse 7, John is showing tender affection for his readers, calling them little children. In Greek, the word is technia. This is no insult, but a fatherly care. And as God's children, they were to be on guard against those who want to lead them astray, the ones that want to deceive them. To deceive you is the Greek word planato, adding emphasis to not being deceived as it is like, don't even let them try to deceive you. Frederick Bruce states, There were those false teachers telling some that they could be righteous without even bothering to practice righteousness. They were trying to make sinning seem even virtuous. This warning is still very much relevant today to God's children. All these points to the righteousness and sinning in regard to being a a habitual practice in those who do not know God. You know, certainly we sin, and the most vile person can possibly do a righteous act, but this is a quality of life and behavior being addressed by John in these verses. A habitual life of righteousness shows a character of Christ working in someone's life and reveals an inner nature. The act of righteousness is not what makes the person righteous, it is a revelation of a righteous character of indwelling God in their lives. In Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 it says, Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. And we've read this before, but you'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from the thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so you recognize them by their fruit. Righteousness is an inner quality that displays itself outwardly. The believer does right because he possesses the imputed righteousness of Christ, says Daniel Aiken. We are to be righteous because Christ is righteous. Christ is the standard for his children. 
and we will fall short from that intent. But it supplies the motivation for us to do right. We should seek to be like our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The contrast were these false teachers, whose lives were marked by continual habitual sin and having a life of sin. In verse 8, John says, The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil was, has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose to destroy the devil's works. So now John, for the first time in this letter, addresses the author of sin. So in verse 7, we have a righteous man proved by his righteous deeds, and now a person with sinful conduct and character having the source of that sinfulness and conduct from the devil. Both reflect the essence of their masters, says Daniel Aiken. The Greek for commit sins is poion, stronger to translate as one who practices sin. In other words, a habitual life of committing sin. Satan is the spiritual father of someone who practices sin. In John 8 verse 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I am here, for I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You, of, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he's a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can convict me of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you're not from God. So Jesus had laid this out before. And the word that John uses here for the devil is diabolo, which means slanderer or accuser, as he instigates sin, and those who live in sin are his children. Although those who live this way violently don't want to be told <laughs> that the devil is their father and what they do is against God. Satan stands in opposition against God and all that is righteous. This is Satan's nature from the very beginning. He is the author of sin, which means missing the mark. For the devil and his children, sin is a ceaseless way of life. Satan is a created being and chose to willfully sin against God and as such, is the beginning and engineer of sin in the world. He was sinning from the beginning. Notice that the Son of God was revealed to destroy the devil's works. He was revealed to destroy the devil's works. This implies his pre-existence eternal presence that was revealed to thwart the devil and bring salvation to mankind. Freedom from sin. And John 12, 14, it says, Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who are held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. Satan stands defeated. The war is lost. It, it was lost at the cross. It was destroyed at the cross and will permanently be destroyed at the judgment. In Revelation 20.10, it says, The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, 
where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Howard Marshall states the task of Jesus was to undo whatever the devil had achieved, to thwart whatever he tries to do. Christ's sacrifice allows the removal of sin from an individual's life. Christ broke the chains of sin and offers deliverance. It is the characteristic of Jesus to save, and it's the characteristic of Satan to sin and to drag as many with him as he can. 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin because he has been born of God. The child of God will behave in a similar manner to his father's nature. With those born of God not sinning, John is not suggesting that the believer is incapable of sin, but that the life of a believer is not characterized by continually engaging in sin. From the translation notes from the Net Bible, it says John can acknowledge the possibility that a true Christian might on occasion sin because in this context, he wishes to reassure his readers that the statements he has made about the opponents in the preceding context do not apply to them. But in verses 4 through 10, his concern is to bring out the absolute difference between the opponents and his readers, so he speaks in theoretical terms which do not discuss the possible occasional exception, because to do so would weaken his argument. Well, a believer may dip their toe in the ocean of sin, but they will not wade deeply in it. God's convicting spirit will make that person most miserable. Some, someone regenerated by the power of God does not continually engage in sin. God's children will not behave in a manner that has the nature or character of sin. And what allows this is that God's seed, as it says in this verse, remains in him. What is the seed? Well, some interpret that as the word of God, others a divine nature. Some identify the seed as the Holy Spirit, which makes good sense. However you want to interpret the seed, the truth is a divine nature has been given to the believer and God indwells that individual, making a life of sin no longer possible. Secondly, the believer has been born of God, making the believer's old nature and new nature incompatible. The life of a believer is marked by the purity and righteousness of God. They have the seed of God and have been born of God. We will still sin for sure. But it is impossible for this sin to become a pattern of life for the believer. Verse 10 says, This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. The family of God is clearly marked and obvious to everyone. Both the child of God and the child of the devil are obvious by observable behavior. Notice there is no third option. There is no gray area. There is no riding on the fence or straddling the line. There is a sharp line dividing the two. Moral conduct becomes a test of a person's spiritual heritage. We all may have areas in our lives where temptation is strong and habits are hard to defeat. That in turn gives the devil an area to focus on. How do we deal with those areas of vulnerability? Well, victory is found by seeking the power of the Holy Spirit and God's Word. 
stay away from tempting situations as the anatomy of temptation is when desire meets opportunity. One of those two, desire or opportunity, needs to be eliminated. Seek the help of fellow Christians. Be accountable to each other and pray for each other. Use the indwelling Spirit of God to gain victory over our sins. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 says, But that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness, in righteousness and purity of the truth. The children of God are marked by the practice of righteousness and love. So what have we learned the child of God has been reminded of his unique calling and heritage. The believer's life is marked by righteousness. Sin does not characterize the child of God. Our pattern was set by the righteousness, righteous one, Jesus Christ. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and the power of sin. And those who have been born of God live a life that resembles the righteous life of Jesus. The child shows the distinguishing marks of the parent. Are you a child of God? Is that obvious to others, as John says? Do you have that assurance? In episode 9, we'll observe 1 John chapter 3 about loving one another and how that is a character of those who know Christ. God bless you and have a blessed day. I pray that you have the close, this close abiding relationship with our Creator and our Savior. God bless you and until next time.